things. So today I want to talk to you. Um, how many of you guys have ever heard stories about your parents and then wondered, no. Okay, so, so um, my family is, uh, my, unlike your family, my family is very weird. And I'm sure all, everyone else is normal, I'm sure. But my parents, my, my parents, my grandparents, on both sides of my family, I'm very, I'm very uh, blessed in that I am third, fourth generation uh, Pentecostal and uh, Pentecostal Christian. And that is incredible, um, incredible heritage. But I also know that there's also um, some stories. I remember hearing stories. My dad told me stories about his dad, my paternal grandfather, that my grandfather and his oldest son used to get in fist fights in the living room when they disagreed. And it got so bad. And so my dad was number uh, five. No, no, no. He was Larry. So, so my dad was number three of five. So he was right in the middle. And so um, he had two older brothers. And his oldest brother was a teenager. And my, my grandpa and, my, and the oldest uncle used to get in fist fights. And my dad used to stand like around the corner and watch. Because usually it ended up one of the two of them grabbing the other one and throwing them out the front door. And I grew up with a grandpa who was the most gentle, the most loving. He loved holding babies. Maybe I, and, and for all the, the moms that I've gotten a chance to hold your baby, I think that's, like, that's passed down. Like, I love holding babies. I love giving them back, too. It's amazing. Um, but that's the grandpa that I grew up with. And I remember hearing these stories going, wait, what? No, not Grandpa Carl. And, and my dad said, well, you know what happened was when Grandpa came to Christ, he was radically changed. And it was instantaneous. There was, there was, there was Grandpa before Christ and, there was Gram- and the two don't even match up. How many of you have heard stories about family that just, like maybe your parents, you're just like, wait a second, my dad was that cool? <laughs> my dad drove that? No way. So today I want to talk to you about faith. I want to talk to you about faith today. And um, I've used this illustration for many, many years. Um, Faith uh, defined is simply this. It's believing so firmly that you put action behind it. And the illustration that I have for you is, is really quite simple. The chair that you're sitting on, how many of you wondered if it would hold you today? Right? We didn't really think about that one, did we? Now, I, uh, just, just to keep you on your toes, I loosened about 40 chairs. <laughs> so just in case you're in one of those, you need to just sit real still this morning. But we, faith is believing so firmly we put action behind it. When you walked in here this morning, you saw a chair. You had experience with chairs in the past. Chairs have held you in the past. And because of that, you had no problem walking up to the chair sitting down. You believed and you put action behind it. That's faith. That's simply what faith is. And here's the incredible thing, is that in the scripture, 
The Bible says that God is the author of faith. Something as simple as believing in a chair was actually started by God himself. Now, that also spills over into other areas of our lives. Faith is simply believing so firmly that we put action behind it. This morning, I want to talk to you about a passage. One of my favorite books of the Bible, one of my favorite passages, is the first three or four, five, six chapters of Joshua. And so that's where we're going to be looking at, Joshua chapter 2. And uh, where we're at in Scripture, let me just give you a brief history so that everyone can be on the same page and know what we're talking about Uh, The first five books of the Bible, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy, it records the beginning of the world, and then it records about uh, the first first people, um, the the key people that God placed uh, in, uh, uh, spoke to, and then led. And one of them is Abraham, and so we remember that story. We also know about Noah. And then we get to a point where there's um, a situation where there's a famine in the land of Canaan where Abraham's descendants were living. Canaan later becomes the promised land. That's what's, so if you read your scripture and you're like, where are we at? It's the same place. Okay? So Can- there's a famine. And what ends up happening is through an incredible God situations, um, the Israelites, the descendants of Abraham, move to Egypt where there's plenty. And while they're in Egypt, not only does, does God bless them, but God multiplies them, and, and, and the Israelites become a massive nation. Now the Egyptians at this point realize either we are going to need to accept them or enslave them. And being the good people that they were, they enslaved them. <laughs> and they put them to work. And the Israelites became slaves in Egypt. Now... After several hundred years, God, hears, God is hearing his people over and over, but it isn't until it's the right time. And God chooses a young man, now 80, called Moses. And he says to Moses, Moses, I want you to bring the Israelites out, and I'm going to take you to the promised land. The land that I said to Abraham, this will be your descendants' land for generations and generations. I want you to take them there. So everyone understand where we're at? Now, in the book of Exodus, it talks about the story about how Moses leads them out of Israel, or pardon me, out of Egypt, through the Red Sea. We talked about this last week. And then uh, Exodus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, those, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy, those four books then tell, teach the nation of Israel how to live. It gives them uh, the instructions on how they should live, how they should interact, how they should handle people outside of the nation of Israel, as well as people inside the nation, how to handle disputes, how to handle uh, hygiene, how to handle worship. All of these things, are instructions are, all those instructions are there. Jump forward 40 years because somebody messed up and there was a whole bunch of bad things that happened and, and just they disobeyed God. So God said, okay, you have to walk for 40 years until everyone that was of that generation dies. And then you'll get to go into the promised land. At the end of 40 years, Moses leads the people of Israel up to the edge of the promised land. In fact, it says that, that God took Moses up onto a hill so he could look into the promised land, into what is now Israel. And he said, I want you to see this. You're not going to be able to go in because of your disobedience, but I want you to see it. And so Moses got to see it from a distance. And then Moses handed over authority, with God's help, over to a guy named Joshua, who is his number two. 
his, his main assistant. And so Joshua becomes the leader of the people of Israel. And in Joshua chapter 1, uh, jo- God speaks to Joshua. He's nervous, he's scared, and uh, they're about to enter into the promised land. Only thing Joshua has ever known is walking in the desert and fighting off the bad guys. Now they have to go into the promised land and take the land that God had promised them years and years ago. So Joshua is standing there and he's nervous, he's scared. God says to Joshua, he says, be strong and courageous for I am with you. Be strong and courageous, be strong and courageous, be strong and courageous. Read it, it's in chapter 1 multiple times, it's awesome. I'm not preaching on that, I'm preaching on chapter (sighs) 2. Now we're caught up. Okay, so the people of Israel go through the Jordan River. The Jordan River splits just like it did at the Red Sea. They walk through on on dry ground. They set up an altar. They worship God for the incredible opportunity that they now have to be in the blessed place that God had for them. But the very first thing that they come to is a city named Jericho. Jericho is this massive metropolis. It's this huge city, and around the city is a a fortified wall. In fact, it's described that the wall was so thick, at the top there was a street, and chariots could pass each other. It was a two-lane highway around the outside of the city. That's how thick these walls were. And Joshua brings all the people to Jericho, and God says to Joshua, he goes, here's what I want you to do. I want you to walk around the city of Jericho one time every day for six days. Don't say a thing. And on the seventh day, I want you to walk around the city seven times. On the seventh time, when you finally finish, I want you to scream. Don't do anything else. Don't, don't, I don't need you to you know, you know, shoot the catapults in. I just need you to scream. And here's what's incredible is that God did a miraculous thing in that moment in that the walls of Jericho completely fell down. They were completely destroyed. And Israel, the people of Israel, took that city. Now let's back up just a moment. You know the end of that story now. So I want to tell you a little in-between thing in chapter 2. uh, Joshua sends two spies into the city of Jericho. And he says, I want you to see what's going on. I want you to see, I want you to uh, go get all the information you can about this city. And so these two spies go into the city. And they're, 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 they're looking through things. Now imagine this. Jericho is a major city. They've heard of the people of Israel. They, in fact, probably even uh, were standing somewhat close watching the Israelites on the other side of the Jordan. And then all of a sudden they're on their side of the Jordan. They're like, oh no, they're coming. And, and so the spies are in the city. And they need to hide because it's getting quite late. And so they go to a prostitute's house. Now let's just time out right here for just a moment. I don't know why they went to a prostitute's house. I, I, I don't understand this. But if we pause just a moment and take a look at this, think about this for just a moment. If you're a spy and you want to go unnoticed, wouldn't you go to a place where a lot of people aren't going to ask you questions? Now, I'm not giving you permission to go to a prostitute's house. That's not it. And God isn't either. But these two spies, they go into the prostitute's house and and, um, her name is Rahab. And Rahab says, I know who you are. And they're like... (gasps) She goes, you're, you're Israelites. And they're like, yeah, we are. And she goes, hide here. I, I'll, I'll, I'll send people away. Um, you hide here. I'll, I'll protect you. And, and, and then 
And that's where we pick it up, okay? So that's where we're at. So if you have your Bibles, if you have your electronic devices, go ahead, open them up to chapter 2 of Joshua. If you have your Bible Classic, um, you'll want to have your Bible Classic on this one. This is a good one because there's lots of notes. We're going to pick this story up at at verse 9. I want to talk to you about Rahab's choices this morning. Before we... (laughs) Before we go further, back up one slide for me. Here's the nugget that I want us to walk away with. Today's choices leads to tomorrow's outcome. Today's choices lead to tomorrow's outcome. Our choices today lead to the outcomes that we see tomorrow. I say this many times. My wife and I have said this many times. There are consequences for every decision. For good choices, there are good consequences. For negative choices, there are negative consequences. Today's choices lead to tomorrow's outcome. So, starting in Joshua chapter 2, going to verse 9, I want to talk to you about three choices that Rahab has to make here. First, let's start at verse 9. This is Rahab speaking. In fact, you can back up to verse 8. Before the spies went to sleep that night, Rahab went up to the roof to talk to them. They are hiding on the roof. Her house, in fact, was built into the wall of Jericho, so that's an important key that I forgot to mention. Verse 9, I know that the Lord has given you this land, she told them. We are all afraid of you. Everyone in this land is living in terror, for we have heard how the Lord made a dry path for you through the Red Sea when you left Egypt. And we know that you, uh, what you did to Sion and Og, the two Amorite kings east of the Jordan River, whose people you have completely destroyed. No wonder our hearts have melted in fear. No one has the courage to fight after hearing such things. Underline this if you can. For the Lord your God is the supreme God of heavens above and the earth below. You see, first of all, Rahab had a choice to believe. Her very first choice was believing that God was who he said that he was. She heard the stories about how God had performed the miraculous. She heard how Israelites had been blessed by God. She recognized that the God of Israel was the supreme God of all. She believed in who he was. That's the very first choice she had. You see, it's more than just hearing about your chair. It's believing your chair. Right? It's more than just uh, hearing about God. It's believing in who he is. It's It's not just hearing the stories, but believing those stories can be true today, just as they were when they were recorded in Scripture for us. Believing. She believed. The second choice that she had was she had the choice to ask. Look at verse 12. She says this, Now swear to me by the Lord that you will be kind to me and my family since I have helped you. Give me some guarantee. When Jericho is conquered, you will let me live along with my father and mother, my brothers and sisters, and all of their families. Now let's just pause there for a moment. We can see from from who she lists here, she's not married. That's important. I'll bring that up in a little bit. But she, she has a request of the people of Israel, the spies. She says, when you, you will conquer this land. I'm just simply asking, would you have mercy on me? Would you have mercy on my family? She believes in who God is, and she makes a request. 
God, I believe who you are. Would you save me? She has a choice to make, and she asks. She makes that request. Because of her belief in who God was and who the Israelites were, being the blessed people of God, she put in her request to save her family. And Rahab's next choice then was to act. Look at verse 14. We'll pick up. This is the spy speaking now. We offer our own lives as a guarantee for your safety, the men agreed. If you don't betray us, we will keep our promise and be kind to you when the Lord gives us the land. Then, since Rahab's house house was built into the wall, she let them down by a rope through the window. She said, escape to the hill country, she told them. Hide there for three days from the men searching for you. Then, when they have returned, you can go on your way. Before they left, the men told her, we will be bound by the oath we have taken only if you follow these instructions. When we come into the land, you must leave this scarlet rope, the rope that they are being lowered by, hanging from your window through which you let us down. All of your family members, your, mother, your father, your mother, brothers, and all your relatives must be here inside the house. If they go out into the street and are killed, it's not our fault. But if anyone lays a hand on the people inside this house, we accept responsibility for their death. If you betray us, however, we are not bound by this oath in any way. Verse 21, I accept your terms, she replied. And she sent them on their way, leaving the scarlet rope hanging from the window. Rahab had the choice to now act. She believed in who God was, she made her request, and then she acted upon it. When you walked in, you saw the chair, you believed in what it could do for you, you walked over to it, and you began to sit down. I don't think many of you went, oh, 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 oh. <laughs> Did you? No, you, you confidently sat. Some of you plopped. Some of you eased. But you believed and you put action behind it. You see, Rahab believed in who God was. Believed that he was the supreme of all. He was the God of all. She made her request, save me, save my family, and then she acted upon it. You see, faith is believing so firmly in something that we put action behind it. Ultimately, faith in God, faith in Christ, is the greatest. Because when we believe who he is and we make our requests, sometimes we forget to act on them. Sometimes we, we forget, you know what, if, if God's got this, maybe I need to quit uh, whining about it. Maybe I need to start believing that God is providing the answer. Maybe the answer is already on the way. I'm, I'm going to look forward to it. That's faith. And the amazing thing is this, is that as we um, experience God and we make our requests, and he responds, it builds our faith. And our faith begins to grow. It begins, it, it, it begins to expand. And today's choices lead to tomorrow's outcomes. Our choices today may be small. Our choices today may seem insignificant in light of all that is going on, but today's choices lead to tomorrow's outcomes. I want you to jump down to chapter 6 now, Joshua chapter 6, because here's what's cool. God blessed the outcome here. Look at chapter 6, 
starting at 22. As the, as the Israelites marched around the city of Jericho once every day for six days, and then on the seventh day they marched around it seven times, and at the very end they had the most incredible worship service that has ever been had before. In fact, it was, if you thought it was loud today, it was so loud that God brought the house down. Literally. Okay? And, and, and all of Jericho is... is the, the, the defense of Jericho is brought down by God. And the Israelites rush in. And Joshua says this in verse 22 to the two spies. He says, uh, Meanwhile, Joshua said to the two spies, Keep your promise. Go to the prostitute's house. Bring her out along with all of her family. The men who had been spies went in, brought out Rahab, her father, her mother, brothers, and all the relatives who were with her. They moved her whole family to a safe place near the camp of Israel. Jump down to 25. So Joshua spared Rahab, the prostitute, and her relatives who were with her in the house because she had hidden the spies Joshua sent to Jericho. Get this. And she lives among the Israelites to this day. Rahab's choices on that one day led to an incredible outcome. And here's what's cool. We could leave this story here and, and we, could, we could look at the faith that Rahab had and just look at how God saved her. She believed, she asked, and then she acted and God responded. How amazing it is. Be encouraged today. But that's not all that happens here. You see, I believe that today's faith choices leads to tomorrow's God-sized outcomes. Today's faith choices lead to tomorrow's God-sized outcomes. To illustrate this, I want, to, I want us all to watch this little video, one-minute video, about uh, just keep in mind what faith is and how this applies. Go ahead, watch this. Everybody knows about playing with dominoes, but what you may not know is that a domino can knock over another domino, which is about one and a half times larger. So what I have here is a chain of dominoes. Each one is one and a half times larger than the previous one. And the smallest domino is about five millimeters high and one millimeter thick. And I will carefully place it. And there are 13 dominoes. And the largest domino, it weighs about 100 pounds and is more than a meter tall. Ready? Boom. That was 13 dominoes. If I had 29 dominoes, the last domino would be as tall as the Empire State Building. Everybody knows about playing with dominoes. So think about that for just a moment. Something so simple. One and a half times, uh, one small thing, one and a half times to the next thing. What if our small faith decisions today leads to one and a half times larger opportunities tomorrow? What if today's choice to lead your home leads to something even greater tomorrow? Moms, what if today's simple faithfulness leads to something even greater tomorrow? Dads, what if leading today faithfully before God 
leads to something even greater tomorrow. You see, Rahab's story doesn't stop right here. Because this is something that we have discovered. Is that Rahab, it, Joshua himself records the, the book of Joshua. And he, he, at the end of his life, he's writing this out. This, this recording of what God did in his life. And he says there in verse 25, 23, I can't remember what it is. But at the very end there, he says, Rahab still lives with us to this day. Not only did Rahab believe in who God was, not only did she ask to be saved, but then she acted on it and God responded and the prostitute became an Israelite. She became part of God's family. And the story doesn't stop there. The story does not stop. Because, see, God's immediate outcome... Remember, our, our, faith base, our, our, our faith choices today leads to God-sized outcomes tomorrow. Her faith choice on that day and, and God saving her was a great outcome. That was powerful, right? Her family was saved. Praise God. Your life has been saved. Praise God. But there's more. Because not only was there immediate results from her choices, but get this. There is also long-term choices. In Hebrews chapter 11, what is commonly referred to as the, uh, the, the hall of faith, the, the great recording that the writer of Hebrews says, he says, these are the great people of faith. And he starts listing them off. He lists them off. Abraham, Isaac, Jacob. He lists off incredible people from the Old Testament, how they believed in God so firmly that they put action behind it. And as you go down through the chapter, chapter 11, and you get to verse 31, look at what it says here. It is by faith that Rahab, the prostitute, was not destroyed with the other people in her city who refused to obey God, for she had given friendly welcome to the spies. God records Rahab's faith the same as Abraham's faith. The prostitute was on the same level now as the other greats of the Old Testament. Today's faith choices lead to tomorrow's God-sized outcomes. Her faith was so great that she is recorded years later as being an example of what it means to be a faith-filled person. Now that's, that's amazing to me. Think about that for just a moment. It doesn't matter what your past is. God can use you as a great example of faith-filled person. Not only does God acknowledge her faith but God also eternally remembers her faith. Because if you turn to uh, Matthew chapter 1, the first book of the New Testament and the first gospel that we have in our Bibles, the, the gospel of Matthew, recorded by Matthew. And here's what Matthew does. Matthew is writing to Jews. He is writing to the Israelites. And he, in the very first chapter, needs to establish that Jesus is the Messiah promised to Abraham, the father of all the nation. The father of the Israelites is Abraham, is, is who the Jews look to as their father. And so Matthew does something very important. He links Jesus with Abraham by listing all of the fathers 
from every generation, from Abraham all the way through to when Jesus is born. But I want to pull out one verse. Look at verse uh, 5. Salmon, salmon, we don't know, was the father of Boaz, whose mother was Rahab. To the Jew, everything was passed down through the males. All inheritance was passed down through the males. All lineage was recorded through the males. And yet there are four women recorded in the list of men, and Rahab is one of them. Rahab is listed in the genealogy of the Messiah. Rahab, the prostitute, is the great, 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 28 times great grandmother of the Messiah. Today's faith choices leads to tomorrow's God-sized outcomes. I dare propose this. Your small choices today as a parent as a worker, as a leader, as a boss, as a manager, as a son, as a daughter, your small faith-based choices today could lead to something huge tomorrow. When God blesses your faith, we have no idea what it could lead to. Moms, moms, can can I encourage you today? Your faithfulness today in being the mom that God has asked you to be could lead to something incredible. Maybe not tomorrow, maybe not next year, but maybe in a generation, in two generations, in three generations. God could do something incredible because of the legacy that you are building today in your faithfulness. Dads, lead today as God has asked you to lead. Be faith-filled dads, faith-filled leaders of your home. Because today's faith-based choices may lead to a legacy that God blesses. Kids, teenagers, elementary school, your choices today to obey and be faithful to God could lead to something huge. God has a plan and a purpose for your life that we may not realize. So what's keeping you from your destiny? Maybe today you've disqualified yourself from God's blessings because you say, well, Pastor Chad, you don't understand my background. You, you, don't, you don't know what I've done. Rahab was a prostitute, and she became the great-grandmother of the Messiah, the Savior of the world. If God can use her, (laughs) I know He can use me. I know He can use you. Maybe you've disqualified yourself because you're like, well... I don't have the huge faith. I don't have... I... 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 I, I, I don't know if I can follow through on it. 
you know what? Today's small faith-based choices may lead to the next bigger, which may lead to the next bigger, which may lead to the next bigger. You see, when we are faith-filled, when we truly believe in who God is and the promises He has for our lives, it will lead us to something even greater. It will lead us to an opportunity to become a greater influence, become a greater leader, become a greater parent. Do you disqualify yourself because of your past or maybe others' perceptions or maybe even expectations, expectations that others have placed on you or maybe the expectations you place on yourself? Maybe you disqualify yourself because of where you came from or maybe your family background. In Joshua chapter 6, verse 22 and 23, we read how Joshua says to the spies, he says, go to Rahab's house and bring them out. Bring out all of her family. Joshua becomes the savior for Rahab and her family, brought by God. Joshua is the Hebrew name that is translated in Greek to Jesus. Yeshua, the Savior. Joshua is an illustration and Rahab is an illustration of of how we need saving today. And Joshua comes and brings them out. Jesus comes and brings us out. And brings us out into his family. And when you read uh, chapter, uh, verse 25, and Rahab lives with them to this day. And Chad lives with him to this day. Insert your name there. When we have asked Jesus to be our God and our Savior, my Savior, then I am saved. And if I am saved, then my past is behind me and God has great things for my future. If that is true, then I need to start living that way. Today's faith choices leads to tomorrow's God-sized outcomes. If that's you, I want to encourage you today. Maybe today you need to take a moment and just ask Jesus to be your Savior. Maybe you need to believe, maybe you need to ask, and then you need to act on it. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes with me for just a moment? I ask you to do this not because of anything mystical or magical. It's just simply a private moment. And I ask you to look on the inside. Have you believed in who Jesus is? Have you asked him to be the leader of your life, your savior? And have you followed through on that by living that out on a daily basis? If not then in this moment, I would like to encourage you, I'd like to ask you, would you consider it? If that's you and you want to say, Pastor Chad, I want to ask Jesus into my life to be my Lord, to be my leader, to be my Savior, and I want to follow Him, I commit today to do so. I'd like to raise my hand. Pastor Chad, would you pray for me? If that's you, I want you just to raise your hand high enough so I can see it. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. I see your hand. Anyone else? Thank you. Anyone else? If you have your hand up, I've seen it. You can put it down. Anyone else? Thank you. I see it.
then following Rahab's example, believing that Jesus is who he said he is as God and fully man, and that he gave his life for my sins. He died so that I could, uh, so that he could pay my debt to sin. And then asking him to lead my life as he and only he can. I would like to encourage you to pray a prayer with me. It's not going to be anything special. It's just simply meaning it from your heart. Would you all pray this prayer with me? Dear Jesus, I thank you for loving me. I believe that you are God and you are Lord and Savior. I ask you, Jesus, to forgive me of my sin and disobedience. I ask you to lead my life. Would you help me today as I commit to follow you for all of my life? I give my mind, my heart, my soul to you, Jesus. Would you lead my life today? I love you. Amen. Today's faith choice leads to tomorrow's God-size outcome. Rahab made a choice that led to an incredible legacy. Today, your choices can lead to something powerful and incredible. Friend, if you prayed that prayer and you meant it from your heart, in Luke chapter 15, it talks about how when the lost are found, heaven stops and celebrates. If you were one of those today that prayed that prayer meant it from your heart, heaven is celebrating you. And we celebrate you too. And I want you to know this. This is just the starting point. To follow, to, to, to have faith choice today means that tomorrow we make that choice again. Because this is just the starting point. One small choice leads to the next greater choice, which leads to the next greater choice. And God will bless our faith-filled choices. So glad that you are here today. It's, it's Mother's Day, and we want to celebrate and honor our moms. As we close today, I'm going to pray. We have a meal, and we invite all of you to stick around for our meal today. Uh, we're going to go right out these doors and to the left to the, to the cafe. There's a line. The, the gentlemen have everything set up for us. And we want to celebrate you, moms. Um, so would you do me this favor? Would you stand to your feet? And we're going to close our service today in prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you, God. We thank you that your love does not exclude any of us. God, if you chose, if you used Rahab, God, I know that you can also use me. You can use us. God, help us to, to make good choices, faith-filled choices, God-oriented choices, so that, Lord, our outcome, the, the results of our choices will be blessed by you, that, that the results will be greater than we can even ask or imagine. God, I thank you for our moms. I thank you for the influence. I thank you for the leadership. I thank you for the love that they show us every single day. And I ask you, Lord, to go with us, bless our moms today, and bless this meal. In your name we pray. Amen. Love you guys. Have a great week.